Welcome back, Giants fans, to part one of the latest bumper edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. We are still 75% British, 25% Irish, and absolutely 100% Giants. It's Dan, Shane, Kev, and producer Craig back in the house, here to break down the Giants 2022 draft class, and also to bring the latest news from our perspective here across the pond. Guys, how are you all doing? Yeah, pretty good. Um, you know, you come off a positive draft week, start looking forward to the season a little bit, you know, Thibodeau, Neil, which we'll get into later, etc. And then you also get hit with the news that, bam, Giants are coming to UK. So, absolutely fantastic this week. Yeah, I, I feel like I say this all the time, but like, I know I'm the optimistic one, but I'm actually buzzing. I mean, I feel like we've had the draft in two parts, absolutely awesome home run hit, and then like proper... It's a grand gr- slam. Grand Slam first day, and then the runs two to seven, a bit more draft for future, as in like solid picks. Not sexy, but solid, which I'm happy, very, very happy about. And like Sheehan says, we get the news the the Giants are coming over to London, and it just sets up the season fantastic. It's almost like two Christmases at the same time, isn't it? Back-to-back weeks. It's like Christmas one week, and we're thinking, oh, we're going to wind down a little bit here, and then bam, Christmas. Second Christmas rolls around. That's it, man. All of our Christmases, all of all, literally come in the last week or so. Yeah, just what a week. Ten days, what a ten days. But yeah, coming up for you today in this part one of a two-part episode, we are going to be talking about two things. We are going to be talking about rounds one to three of the draft and also the fact that the New York football giants are on the way to the UK in October. But before we get into that, uh, we just want to say a huge hello and uh, thank you to all of our new followers that we've gained since uh, draft weekend. Also for all your comments, retweets, messages, likes, we really, really do appreciate every single one of you. Um, and if, if this is the first episode you listened to since joining us, then welcome aboard. We hope you enjoy the ride just as much as we do. And following on from that, rather than pointing at the end, if you can, like, rate, subscribe, comment, much appreciate. We usually leave that to the end, but we're going to reverse it this week and I'm going to put it in right at the start. So any comments on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all that, if you can just uh, give us some comments and let us know any feedback you've got. Absolutely, man. You can also get in touch with us in all of the usual ways at Big Blue UK IRL on Twitter, on the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook group, and also via email, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. Now, like I said, what a couple of weeks it's been, and where better to start off than with the news that the New York Giants will be playing in London for the third time in October. Uh, the NFL confirmed the international schedule this past week with us playing the only team yet to come to these shores, the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers coming over on the 9th of October. At Tottenham Stadium, it will be a green and blue invasion, no doubt, and we cannot wait. Roll on October, right? It's going to be an awesome weekend. Yeah, definitely. Look, you look since the season ended, We've got a new GM in place. We've got a new coach, OC, DC. We've then got our new draft pick. So you're already starting to get a little bit excited looking forward to the season. You start thinking maybe this is the year we turn it around. And then you also throw in the fact that, oh, by the way, the Giants are coming over to play in the UK. It just makes you want, like, I know people love the summer and the nice weather, but I can't wait for September to come already. And just let's get summer over and done with already. And let's get to the NFL season where we can see what, Joe Shane, Brian Dable are putting in place and also seeing our Giants in person. And I think it's fantastic that although the Giants haven't been great in recent memories, it's probably two of the best followed teams coming over to the UK as well. So it'll be a bumper crowd. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, it's The Giants started this international series back in 07. 
you know, they are a storage franchise, you know, been going since 1925. Two of the big franchises sort of historically in the league. Packers first time coming over. Everyone thought, oh, when are they coming? When are they come? The only team that hadn't come over and they're actually coming over for a home game this year. Now, I don't know about you boys, but I'm so pleased that we're playing them in a neutral site venue and not playing them at Lambeau Field. It's a great advantage for us. Not an advantage for us, but it definitely takes the pressure off a little bit for the game. You just got to, you just got to look back at the the uh, Rams game at Twickenham. Yes, we were the road team, but we certainly weren't the road team when it came to the noise we were making. That's for sure. Um, and I think it'll be it'll be the same at Tottenham as well. I think yes, obviously the Packers have a huge following here in the UK. You know, there's many cheeseheads here in the UK, but I think it's just as many Giants fans will be making just as much noise as they will become the night of October. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I like as well is the fact that it's the game week five, I believe. So we would have had four games under our belt to sort of really see what we are about, which I think is fantastic. Like, I think that's so good. We'll be able to see how we're playing, what type of identity we're going to have as a team, and it'll just make that game even even better. Yeah, man, and we'll get to see what Aaron Rodgers is like without um, Devontae Adams. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Craig, what do you think, man? It's massive. I think, as a general NFL fan, it's going to be the one game that probably excites people more than anything. You've got the reigning MVP, who I believe is the first ever reigning MVP to play over in, in the UK. So that's massive. I was at the game at Twickenham, as I think we all were, and the atmosphere was electric the whole time. And you're right, it was a predominantly giant crowd that day and we kind of took over. I don't think that will happen against the Packers. As we said, the Cheeseheads, they they have a massive following over here. But it'll be close to half, maybe, maybe just under. Yeah, I reckon so. I reckon we'll uh, we'll be making some noise. But yeah, on that, obviously, yeah, we were all, all four of us are at the... Uh... At the Rams game at Twickenham, not all of us were Giants fans at the time. Shane, it'll be your first experience of seeing the Giants live as a as a member of a, the Big Bear UK family. You looking forward to it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I wasn't a Giants fan at the time, but that game, for multiple reasons, was one of the reasons why it went on to become a Giants fan. You know, the the atmosphere that Giants fans created, the, the Landon Collins pick six alone was like. Amazing, and look, I'll, I'll be the first person. I'll openly admit I wasn't a Giants fan at the time, and I did get to the game probably thinking the Rams are the home team. I'm going to hope that they win. But <laughs> by the end of the game, I was like the Giants. I'll be, I'll be honest. I'm not going to like chat shit or anything at the end. I'll, I'll always be completely honest with people. I had no affiliation to either team, and it was a case of they in the home team. They've given the game up. Cool. I'm going to root for them. If it had been the other way around, it had been the Giants, the Giants that had given up their home game, then, you know, I'd have rooted for the Giants. Just like when I used to go to Wembley, it was the Jags I, I wanted to see win the game because they were the home team. But, you know, that game, really doubt, is probably half the reason why I went on to become a Giants fan, amongst other reasons. Yeah, man, the, uh, the reason you might have heard, heard some sniggering in the background there was the face Kev pulled when Shane said he was a Rams fan that day was as a picture but obviously yeah it's been the third time we're over over in the uk um obviously starting off in 07 with the first ever international series game where we beat miami uh, and then yeah back in uh, 2016 uh, when we beat the were they los angeles rams then or were they still the st louis rams i think they were still st louis weren't they yeah so obviously beat them at twickenham 17 10 if we can hold the packers to 10 points again you know the fact we've held the Dolphins to 10 and the, the Rams to 10, if we can hold the Packers to 10 points, we've got a great chance of winning the game. But no, I'm really looking forward to it. Like, absolutely, I mean, absolutely buzzing that they're coming back over here. You know, it'll be the fourth time I've seen them live in person and all three times before we've ended up on the winning side. So let's hope we uh, 
carry on that and uh, get a, get a win under our belts in week five this year. But it's obviously it's nice to see that um, Coach Dable had something to say about it, saying it's an honour to represent the NFL internationally. But he still said that we've got a lot of work to do between now and then. So yeah, there's a is there is a lot of work to do, but come week nine, man, we're uh, we're going to be loving it. It certainly is going to be a weekend to remember as well. We're all going to be there um, representing the UK Giants along with uh, with Keith and Andy. We'll uh, announce plans close to the time, but you know we can't wait to all be together and see Big Blue in action in London. Yeah, roll on October. Now, draft weekend was almost two weeks ago. You know, who can really believe that? And whilst myself, Shane and Craig were preparing for round one by sitting in the hot tub, drinking beers at our Airbnb, Kev was getting his man cave ready for what was the first time we've actually all been together in the same room. And what a night it was as well. Shane's interview on TalkSport, my chat with the big blue offensive guys, even fellas, uh, and the small matter of picks five and seven in round one. And who could have asked for a better outcome, really? The first four picks obviously all went with defensive players in uh, Travon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner. And then it meant we could then select Edge Kayvon Thibodeau from, uh, from Oregon with our number five overall pick. And then up comes Carolina with number six to take Iki Aquino off the board. Um, so we then take tackle Evan Neal with our seventh overall selection. Now I'm sure some of you may have seen our reaction videos on Twitter and on Facebook and you'll be able to tell that we were absolutely buzzing with the two picks. Even though the pick of Evan Neal, we were kind of on, on silent mode because Shane was on the phone with uh, the guys at TalkSport. I, for one, am glad we decided to stick with what we had and select two of the best players available in the draft. Kayvon Thibodeau comes from Oregon, measures in 6'4", 256 pounds, 9 sacks, 11 quarterback hits and 28 quarterback hurries in 2021. Immediately adds a huge present to our pass rush. Alabama's Evan Neal comes in at 6'7", weighing a huge 337 pounds. First team All-SEC selection was ever present for the Crimson Tide last season. Almost two weeks on, how are you guys feeling about KT and Neal? Yeah, I mean, um, firstly, I will just say thanks to Kev for having us on that night. It was absolutely amazing, not just being in your, with all three of you, you know, but a different meaning to the draft. Usually I'm sitting at home watching it on my own. Last year, we were all messaging on WhatsApp and that's what it was amazing to sort of be all in person. So, you know, huge thanks to Kev for that. And I think, you know, the fact that we've got two draft players who, if you look back as far as the start of the college season to December, and then sort of December, the first couple of months, Thibodeau and Evan Neal were both mentioned as number one overall picks. If you've not seen our reaction videos, honestly, go and watch them. I think when you watch those, especially the Thibodeau one, you know, I've watched it a few times and I've, I love watching that video because you can see that we're genuinely buzzing with the pick. Nothing's fake. We've not gone, oh, whatever the reaction is, let's do this reaction. You know, it's all genuine reactions from us. And yeah, as Dan mentioned, I was live for the Evan Neal pick. That's why the celebrations are a little bit more muted. Uh, the reason for that is if you've not listened to the, the clip, I was live on TalkSport at the time and they said to me, we're going to talk about the pick now. And I was like, I've not seen it. And then I went, I've seen it. And they turned around and said, we're behind don't say it because you're going to be live on air. Um, so that's why the, the celebration's a little bit muted. But yeah, you know, you've got a, you've got two players, one that can get to the quarterback and one that can protect the quarterback. I had Thibodeau number one on my board overall. I think I had Evan Neal sort of in and around that six or seven range. And, you know, fair play to Joel Shane. Didn't get cute, didn't trade back, took the edge guy at number five and said to Carolina, you pick whatever tackle you want. Will happily tech Ike or Evan Neal there. And it's interesting, you know, some of the talks and the rumours pre draft was that the Giants didn't like Thibodeau. They were in love with Charles Cross. So, you know, smoke screens galore. All a load of rubbish, wasn't it? Yeah. So, you know, just 
don't listen to it. Don't, don't believe everything that you read. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a fantastic night. And I'm so glad you boys were able to come around. It just means more watching the draft with friends and with the other Giants fans and stuff. I mean, you can be happy or sad about a pick, but when you're on your own, uh, it just means a little bit more when you got uh, your boys with you as well. But like the first round was a home run, in my opinion. Like we've talked about it at length and, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, 6'4", 250. Like he's absolutely been a stud all three years at Oregon. Number one recruit coming out of high school. For me, there was no knocks on him at all. People were talking about his personality and stuff like that and how like he cares about his brand. But as we've said, with NIL coming in now in college and players at college level being able to make money off their name, image and likeness, people will now be about brands and about... I mean, like, for example, um, Carl Hamilton, he's got his own clothing line and stuff out at the moment. He's got his own branded logo and you know they pits on everything and all these kids now will be about their brand and i think he knows the only way for him to be successful off the field is if he's successful on the field and he's fully aware of that i mean i think didn't he say like you know the brand's going to take a back seat for a while while or go take a back seat because he wants the playbook now he wants to get playing football i mean it's just a home run hit like i think we have him and ojalari can't remember who said it but someone says like the Giants now have like a Batman and Robin edge Russian pair that really can get after QBs. I mean, that D-line is actually quite scary when you think about it, when you've got Sexy Dexie, Leo Williams, and the two edge rushers now. I mean, that's formidable. I mean, I'd put that potentially, yes, okay. We haven't seen um, him do it yet, but I'd, I'd put that up with anyone else in the league, to be fair. Yeah, man. Those two guys coming off the edge is going to be scary. I mean, we saw what Ojolari could do last year, saw a glimpse of what he could do last year put Kayvon Thibodeau on the other side and it's looking scary plus then like you said Leo Williams and Dexter Lawrence up there it's it's a scary front it really is it is like and then just touch on Neil as well like he like he was one of my favorite players in the whole draft like, I thought he could have gone one to Jags to protect uh, Trevor Lawrence to be honest and the fact that we were able to get him at seven I mean it was nicely done by Sheehan do you know what I mean like if you've got those two tackles so close together you've got to take a, a real talent like Thibodeau you don't want to risk the chance of someone trading up with Carolina. If you if you went Neil at five, you didn't want to risk the chance of someone trading up with Carolina to take Thibodeau because he's that type of talent that I could have seen someone do that. I mean, Neil is phenomenal. He's played, was it, guard in his uh, freshman year, played right tackle in his sophomore year, and played uh, left tackle in his junior year. So he's got versatility. He's played all across the line. He, he's a mammoth of a man. He, you know, it's not perfect. It's not the finished article yet. But again, you're talking about Batman Robin on the D-line. I mean, you've got seriously talented tackles protecting your QB now. Like, they are the cornerstones. I mean, you can talk about the rest of the draft, and some people say they might be underwhelmed with the rest of the draft. But the, the draft is, isn't is an exact science. But you take these two players now, you've got, for the next sort of seven, eight, ten years, two cornerstones on the offensive line in Thomas and Neil and two cornerstones on the defensive line in Ojolari and Thibodeau. I mean, that's the way you build a good winning football team. I just going to say, you looked at it last year, we passed on uh, Rashawn Slater. I don't know about you, Kev, but I had Evan Neal rated higher than I would have had Rashawn. If Rashawn Slater had been in this draft class, I'd have had Evan Neal, Iquano, and then I'd have, had, I'd have had Slater personally. Yeah, I agree 100%. Evan Neal, I mean, what more can you say about the guy? He's just, he's, he's a powerhouse. He's tall, he's big. And he's quick with his hands. He's quick with his feet, and he's strong as anything. Just looking, just looking at some of his tape coming from uh, from Alabama, and it just—I'm so looking forward to seeing number seventy on the offensive line. 
I really am. And you know what? What else can we say about Thibodeau that hasn't been said? You know, we we were talking about him after after last year's draft. We were talking about him saying, you know, potential number one overall for for this year, and he falls to us at five, and we snap him up. But I think yeah, great great job by Shane, great job by Brian Dayball and, and the whole uh, front office team. That the first round worked out absolutely spot on for us. Really, I don't I, I don't have any complaints about how the first round worked out for us at all. Yeah, and I really like just to talk about Neil Pick again quickly. Um, I really like for what he had, like um, utility wise or whatever, like to, to to be able to reform this O line because this O line is so different, like so so different this year. Sheen wanted to come in and fix it. I'm not saying it's fixed, but I believe it's a hundred percent better than what we've had last year. You look at like Andrew Thomas now. How good was he in his second year? He showed glimpses in his first year, and the second year, I believe he showed the player that he is, and he's still ascending. And then Feliciano, as a smart player who knows Dable's system for playing in the offensive line at the Bills, you stick him in the centre, making all the, the protection calls and everything, you know, takes a little bit of pressure off Daniel Jones. you got Feliciano, who's a savvy vet in the middle there at centre, calling all the plays. And then I believe if he's not started week one, he'll be starting within the first couple of weeks of the season. And the third round pick, was it Izedu? Yeah. Yeah. So I believe I believe he'll slot into um, that left guard spot. So you've got a, a savvy vet and uh, Thomas either side of him to help him with his progression, and then you've got Glowinski on the right guard next to the rookie Neil, and Glowinski is an above average guard in this league. He's a good good signing, and I'm so glad. Like you, I knew would make a mid level sign of some some description like six million a year, and, and we signed him, and I was so pleased we signed him. So you look at the makeup now of that offensive line. You've got some savvy vets and some real young talent as well coming through. The offensive line is is something actually that I think I wouldn't say a strength, but I believe it's a lot stronger than it has been. Yeah, you just got to look back at what we were saying about the offensive line this time last year. It's a bit of sort of night and day, really. The difference we're all sort of feeling about the the O line this going into this year compared with the, what we were thinking about the O line going into last year. The fact that the guys in charge last year, Gettleman and Judge, were saying, you know, we obviously think the the O line's better than everyone else does. Well, clearly it wasn't. So, you know, clearly everyone else was right to think it was as shit as it was. But that quote hasn't aged well, has it? No, it really hasn't. Has it? <laughs> but yeah, just the fact, you know, Evan Neal, you know, he's, he's a team captain as well at Alabama, and it just just says a lot about the guy. And I'm yeah, just looking forward to seeing him on that on, on that line. And like I said, Thibodeau, it just what like I said, what more can you say about the guy? Looking at what he's done at Oregon over the last three years, it just it's scary to think that we've got that talent on our defensive line. It really is, and and uh, you know I wouldn't want to be an opposing offensive lineman coming up against him. That's for sure. How much of an impact then do you think they'll have on the team overall um, going into year one? I think I don't know if I should say this. Go on. No, no, it's nothing bad. It's what I've mentioned in the group in our group chat the other week. So uh, the other day, sorry. So Thibodeau at nine to two for defensive rookie of the year. That's worth 20 quid in my opinion. I'm not endorsing gambling for one moment and I do not associate myself with any gambling companies. You are absolutely endorsing gambling, aren't you, Shane? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, that's like fantastic value. Like, you know, 20 quid's going to return you £100. For those people who don't know how you uh, gamble, <laughs> it return you 200 quid, mate. So, yeah, you know, like, like, you know, for me, I'll be putting money on that because that's the kind of uh, impact I believe he can have. You know, when I look at probably the other contenders for defensive rookie of the year, I don't think number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, is going to be involved in it. Aiden Hutchinson, potentially, and then I think maybe one of the cornerbacks, but the cornerbacks win defensive rookie of the year very often. It, you know, 
it's gonna it's gonna be the guys that get after the quarterbacks and get the sacks. And you know, if Tibbs walks in here and gets 14 sacks for the season, you know he's gonna be up there. Um, so you know, I, I think he's gonna have a, a, a massive effect on this team. And I think he'll be in that conversation at the end of the season. It wouldn't surprise me if he's up for defensive rookie of the year on the rookie team of the year and maybe even second All-Pro, if not first team All-Pro. That's the kind of impact I believe he can have on this team in regards to having Neil, Kev has covered anything I've got to say. So, you know, I'm happy with those two picks. Yeah, I am happy with an O-line pick. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was going to happen. And, you know, we, we said at the time, not Charles Cross. We need, none of us wanted it to be Charles Cross, and that's not nothing against Charles Cross per se. But if we'd have took Cross, it would have meant moving Andrew Thomas to right tackle, in my opinion, because Charles Cross was a pure left tackle. So you know, I'm over the moon with with both of those picks, and I think they're both going to play huge roles that we'll we'll get to see in person in October as well. I'm going to go full homer here. I'm going to go. You pick a player in the top ten. You expect them to be an impact player and a cornerstone of your uh, franchise going forward. We pick two. We pick two players that I believe could be one and two in this draft. We pick two players that I believe will play well. Um, I believe Evan Neal will solidify that right side. Yes, he'll give up pressures and, and you know, he's, he's going to be a rookie. He's going to try and, you know, find his feet. But I think he will be an outstanding, outstanding player for us. Um, I think it'll be very good this season. Daniel Jones will be very, very happy, and Saquon will be happy as well. Like, I think Saquon could have a sneaky good season this year as of staying healthy. But back to the two picks. I mean, Thibodeau. I mean, t- t- you watch film on, t- on Thibodeau. Teams are double and triple teaming him all the time. Like, he's quite obviously the best player on that Oregon team. That Oregon team wasn't particularly good these last couple of years, but they they, they were double and triple teaming him all the time. Now, if you've got Ojolari one side, Sexy Dexy in the middle, and um, Leo Williams pass rushing from the inside as well, he's going to see single, single blocks. And like, yeah, I think he could... So was it, Ojolari had eight, 8.5 sacks, was it, this year? Yeah, so I just looked that up. Uh, Ojolari recorded 8.5. The unofficial franchise record was LT, which was 9.5, but they didn't count that. So you've got to say, does he hit double digits? I I uh, I I think I think he could beat the LT's nine point five. I think he could get ten plus six. Yeah, I think that's well within his well within his um ability to do that. That's for sure. Well, I think we need to come with a nickname for Aziz. By the way, we've got Tibbs, Big Cat, Sexy Dexy. We need a nickname for Aziz. Oh, we do. Easy Aziz. Get get your nickname suggestions into us on Twitter at Big. <laughs> <laughs> Easy Aziz. There you go. <laughs> Nah, that's rubbish, I know. As easy? As easy. As easy as that, yeah. As easy as that. <laughs> to to be honest, to be honest, like, you know, it, it's it's a little bit too close to like Evan Ingram. Didn't they call him Easy E or something? Like and... Easy E, yeah. Yeah, yeah easy dropped the ball though. Oh man. Yeah, it was it was never easy with him, was it? No, was it? <laughs> yeah, no, I think they're both gonna have a huge impact on the on the team. Whether it's a, a, a huge impact from day one or not, you know, we'll see, but I think long term, I think we've got two of the best players in this draft, probably the two best players in this draft, according to some, you know, so I'm looking forward to the future, that's for sure, with these two. You could argue we've got two potential future Hall of Famers. Yeah, that's fair. 
That's a lot of optimism from you this week, Shane. Wow, I know. I know, yeah, I, know. I need to talk. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to be toning it down. Can, we, the next can we get the snippet of him saying he was glad about the old line <laughs> pick? I, I need to keep that. Can we just keep that to one side, please? We'll, we'll, we'll put that in the jaw. We've taken my safety's name, Eddie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how funny is it, like, the both of them, when you hear them speaking stuff, that they've got such different characters. I mean, neither is negative, obviously, but one's sort of, like, really outgoing and, and like, you know, can speak, like, you know, nonstop and, like, really knows who he is. And then you have the, the other one who's a bit more reserved, a bit more business-like, do you know what I mean? Just a bit more... Yeah, he seems quite humble, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I love both the characters. I think that, like, and again, they, they come across as really good people, which, you know, which is what we want for our organisation. The last thing I'll say is I can't wait for camp and see them two going against each other. That's what that's what I want to see. I want to see Tibbs and Evan Neal. Mate, I'd love to see Hard Knocks as a Giants this year if that was the case. That's, that's what I mean. I, I just I, there's going to be tape coming out of them too, and I can imagine that you know Tibbs is probably don't mean this in a nasty way, but he's probably going to be moving off a little bit, a little bit of yeah, I beat you on that one, a bit of you on that one, and then I can imagine Neil being like saying nothing and thinking, yeah, watch next rep, watch next. Rep. Yeah, I'll drive you into the dirt. Yeah, you're meeting Bert. He's, he's, he's not going to be an easy task to get past him, not that way anyway. But yeah, how, how good would it be to see him to see him both in, in, in camp on hard knocks this year? But obviously the fact we've got a new head coach ain't going to happen, but that would just be awesome, wouldn't it? I'm hoping the Giants, you know, they've been pumping out some decent sort of like small clips of like, you know, behind the scenes stuff. So I'm looking forward to them pumping out some more now. Well, we've got the... Um, the rookie minicamp starts Thursday or Friday, doesn't it? So uh, we should get a few bits and bobs come out. Yeah, very true. Looking forward to that. Anyway, moving on to Friday in round two. So I firstly trade um, our number 36 pick to our lodgers in the New York Jets uh, to, allow them to, to allow them to select Brees Hall. In return, we received two picks from them. So we got number 38 overall and also their fifth round selection, number 146. We then traded that 38th pick to Atlanta so they could select Arnold Ebiquete and we received number 43 and a fourth round number 114 selection. So we've moved back from 36 to 43 and gained two more selections on day three. So initially, what did you make of those trades? I wasn't keen on trading back. I felt there was good value there. I understood the logic for wanting to trade back, but I trade back with the Jets, but I wouldn't have traded back a second time. So I think we started to get a little bit cute and I felt that we were going against with the picks, which we'll come to. Joel Shane went against his comments about something, which I'll come on to in a second. So, yeah, for me, we, we got too cute, traded back that extra time we didn't really need to. Yeah, Kev, what did you think of the uh, two trades in the second round? If you said to me, so when the trades happened, yes, I was, I was pleased. I was like, OK. Especially value, I thought we got very good value. We got a fourth and a fifth, I believe. Yep. Um, so I thought we got great value as well. As Shane alluded to, we got a little bit too cute. I mean, in my opinion, it's just my opinion. I don't want to talk about players we didn't draft too much or who we missed out on because that's you could go down that rabbit hole all like all night long. Do you mean of who you could have had and stuff? I mean, but there was two very, very what you could have had. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's two first round, two first round corners, in my opinion, were on the board when we traded back. Now, I believe Sheehan might have taken one of them if they were available. But we traded back five, was it five spots? Yeah, it went. Both players, both players went. Yeah, it went from 36 to 43. So, sort of seven places. Seven places. So, like, you know, and both and both players went, one just before us as well. So, so obviously, I was looking at those two players and thinking, trade back, get one of them, happy days. That's perfect. Talk about a win-win. 
and it didn't materialize again. That's the gamble you that's that's what you, that's the gamble you take when you when you do trade back. I thought we did get good value, so I'm not disappointed with trading back to be fair, because we are a team with many needs. So adding good cost controlled contracts with rookies uh, is only a good thing in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Like I wasn't surprised we we started to move around in the, in the second round. You know, considering what we'd taken in the first, but at the same time, yeah, it was a kind of did we really need to what was available on the board still at the time but then i suppose it comes down to who they had rated higher on their board is that if it was there anyone they wanted to really take at 36 or 38 that they couldn't have got later on so then obviously we then left with number 43 overall um and the giants just quickly dan sorry dan just sort of but i don't want to talk about the players and it's all about the players so i want to make this point before we actually start talking about them i do think that shane came in late don't forget shane only came in a couple of months ago I don't know if he uh, trusts the giant scouts hundred percent. You know, I kind of feel that the picks that were made were his picks and they were all players that they had met with. Sometimes you don't see that. Sometimes you, a lot, well, a lot of times player, you hear players said, Oh, I never even talked to that team. And they picked me. Whereas these were players they had in for visits. They had met at, at, com- at the combine and stuff. And yeah. So Joe, I, I think there's a lot of players taken off our board. I think Joe Sheen made his own board when he came in. Um, so a lot of players look so, at these so like, moves in the front office we've made since then to actually think, yeah, you know what, you're probably right. So yeah, obviously uh, with the number forty three pick, we uh, selected our newest wide receiver, Wondell Robinson, out of Kentucky, measuring five for eight, weighing one hundred and seventy eight pounds. The uh, twenty twenty two Citrus Bowl MVP was projected anywhere between a third and a fifth round selection. So the initial thought that was this was a bit of a reach. Um, now that we've had time to digest it a bit, what do you think about him? Do you still think he's a bit of a reach? Yeah, I still hate the pick. I, I hated day two. Here he is, he's back, Mr. Negative. I hated day two with a pure passion. I was like, why are we trading back again? Then the pick comes in and I'm looking and I'm thinking, okay, it could be this player, it could be this player. And then I'm like, one Dale Robinson, are you taking the piss? You know, in no way was he the eighth best wide receiver in this draft class. No, not a chance. Um, I'll give him credit. Puts up 19 on the bench press at five for 879 pounds. Fair play to you. I don't know what they're doing in Kentucky, but they're doing something dodgy when you look at um, some of the bench presses they put up. Mate, I'll tell you what they're doing in Kentucky. Eating lots of fried chicken. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I hated this pick at the time. I hated this pick when I woke up the next day and I hate this pick today. I just wasn't a fan whatsoever. Didn't feel he was the... When Joe Shane turned around and said, we're going to take the best player available, he wasn't the best player available in his position, let alone the best player available in general. So, you know, he's probably going to go on and prove me wrong and he's going to be amazing. But I just didn't like the Wondale Robinson pick. I didn't think that... What would you see was a need, but I thought there were more pressing needs, especially because we all knew what was going to happen with James Bradbury. We all knew what was going to happen. So why we didn't address it there when there were still decent corners available. I won't talk about players we've missed out on, but what I will do is say there was these players available instead. So it's not a case of, damn, we've missed out on them. It's, damn, we've missed out on these ones, but we chose to miss out on, and that's decisions that we can influence. Yeah, I mean, so when the pick was made, I was shocked. I don't, I don't know if I was upset, but I was, I was just shocked. I was like, okay, I don't understand this. I just didn't understand it. I mean, but I'm not getting paid to understand this. You know, I'm not, I'm not in the front office to make those decisions. But 
I, I again, it comes back to the point I was making. I think Joe Sheehan had his players. He wanted to draft his players. And it's that thing where, like, you know, if you look back at your team two years down the line and you have good players on your team, you won't care where they were drafted. You just affect you have good players on your team. Now, I, I think this was made in conjunction with Dable. I think Dable, it's different when you pick a player. There might have been better wide receivers on the board. But if Dable turns around to you and says, look, this guy, I can work with this guy. I know how to use him. I know how to manufacture touches for him in space behind the line of scrimmage. Like if you get me that player, you know, he will factor into our offense. I think so. Although he might not be, he wasn't the next best player on our boards or a lot of boards. But again, I think our board was very small. I think a lot of players just wiped off, wiped off, wiped, as in like not even like we're not drafting these. I don't care. Say, for example, like George Pickens. I don't care if he's there in round seven. We are not taking this guy because I think he's got some character concerns. Do you know what I mean? So I, I just think that, you know, you might say, oh, there's better players on there, but they might not even be on their board at all. They might have met with him once and were like, no, red flag, he's out, completely out. It's interesting because he's almost like like Darius Tony. So, so you say, right, why are you picking the same player or a similar player or who you use the same way? But I suppose the way they might look at it is, Right, we got two weapons. I got two dangerous weapons. You think you you think got a plan for Tony? What's your plan for Wandell as well? So I don't hit the pick. I don't. I didn't understand it when it was made, but I want to see him being used because what's criminal is if you use a second round pick on someone, especially a skill position like a wide receiver. And now Trey McBride was on the board then, and I was crying out for him as well, like because we needed tight end. So there's other players on the board that I really liked. It was like okay, that would be perfect. That would be perfect. I knew they liked him as well. So now, now, now you've drafted him, Dable and Sheehan. Use him. Show me, sh- show us, show the fan base and the, 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 when the season starts that he's being used because it would be criminal now for him to sit behind. If you go out and start Golladay, Tony and Slayton, you know, and um, Wanda Robinson has a handful of touches in the first couple of games, then it's like, okay, well, that's not what we bought into if you go out there and Wanda Robbins is on the field constantly and getting touches and making yards and making plays, then you know then, then it's a good pick. There's been comparisons made today on Twitter on the fact that he is the exact same height and exact same weight as a Mr. Cole Beasley who was used pretty, pretty well at Buffalo. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I can. I, I actually think Kadarius Tony can be the Z receiver. I think he can play on the outside opposite Golladay. And then obviously, yeah, if, you, if you've got Wanda in, in the slot then as well, if you Again, manufactured touches for him the way he did Beasley. And he also played in the backfield. He played, was it Indiana before he actually moved to Kentucky? Nebraska. Nebraska. And uh, the, the, he actually was there as a running back. That's what I was going to say next. Sorry, the one thing I will say is what's the one position that we were apparently locked in to draft a running back? We brought all the, we brought in James Cook, Brees Hall. We brought them all in. We didn't draft one. So is there maybe a, is, is uh, Robinson going to be a little bit of a hybrid kind of player? You know, yeah, we're going to want you to run the ball sometimes. Other times we're going to send you out wide into the slot and run. So like, I'll, I'll, I do wonder if he's going to be like that bit of a hybrid in between the two. Um, and just a little fun fact on Wondale Robinson. He signed his first autograph at the age of eight <laughs> to a referee. A referee? He's playing Pee Wee football and uh, he's playing Pee Wee football from the age of six. I don't know this because he was on GMFB before the uh, the draft. And I said to him, Is it true that you asked for a signature by a referee? 
And he said, yeah, he says, played a Wee game when I was eight. Uh, full time, the referee come over and said, like, can I get your autograph? I bet he's got a frame nine. Yeah, yeah, apparently he's um, a photo to him and his mom. But like, see, I, I what I like as well, like, I don't, I don't, players are good, right? Obviously, but I love scheme. I think an off, a good offensive scheme can can win games. Like we showed last, last with under um, last couple of years, like we, we've had good players, in my opinion, in the skill positions, but the scheme was awful. Like, like if you've got like, say for example, if, if Saquon Barkley's running well, and you're able to fake hand off to him. And have Wondell Robinson running a jet sweep and take it and, and and the linebackers and stuff crash in on Barkley and the and then you've got all that space for Wondell Robinson to take the jet sweep. Or if you fake jet sweep it to him and they crash and and then you know you've got Kadarius Tony out in space in, in like out in the field, five, ten yards down the pit down the field. You know, he can take the ball and you know what he can do, run after the catch. So it's almost like they have certainly all these pieces, and it's like okay, Dable, right, and Kafka, go out now and make and create a scheme that puts people into into really good positions. Like, and also good for Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones is releasing the ball quickly, throwing five ten yards, getting the ball into space into these playmaking hands, you know, it's only good for him as well. Yeah, man. I mean, one I've I've watched a little bit on him in, in, since we picked him, but there's one player he sort of reminds me of a little bit. I know you said Cole Beasley, Craig, but is it me or does he slightly remind you of Tyreek Hill in the aspect that he can change direction really quickly? And that comes from his running back background as well, doesn't it? Though? Exactly. The fact that he's, you know, it, it, we don't know what Daybon Kafka's offense is going to look like, but there's a high possibility that there's going to be a lot more... Uh, pre-snap motion there's going to be a lot more maybe trick plays maybe lots of different things going on there's obviously a reason they've picked him because maybe they see some of these traits and abilities in him that they're looking for in their offense in their offensive scheme and yeah the the scheme that we've had in the last couple of years has been shocking so hopefully you know got to look back at, at, at buffalo's offensive scheme over the last couple of years and look what that was like and it's it's leaning more towards like i said that sort of pre-snap motions and you know just exciting offense that we haven't seen for a long long time he obviously wants him and tony to play together as well because obviously joe shane was asked in his press conference afterwards whether it would bring back up the rumors that tony would be traded um and i think his response was reflect on what i just said Love that response. It was a proper like F you, wasn't it? It was like yeah, I love it. I made a comment, digest that, like just listen to that. If you watch it back, Dable does a little shuffle. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> love it. But yeah, there's there's obviously a reason they picked him. When the pick came in, I looked at it and I was like, sorry, who? And we're picking receiver in, in round two when we've got bigger needs than that. What are we doing? But at the same time you think, you know, look at what I did in round one. He's we've got two killer picks in round one. They obviously they know what they're doing. They know what there's a reason they picked him, so so we'll we'll find out come uh, come September, I'm sure. And again, like talking about like the rest of the, the draft class, um, again we got our superstars in round one. We got two like superstar players, in my opinion, in round one. The rest is just about like like getting good solid players. Like we don't we don't need to have the sexy pick every pick. These guys believe that these players they pick are good solid players that will help this team, uh, and that's what we need. We we kind of missed. We've missed out a lot in recent drafts, especially the mid-round picks. Um, so I just hope the guys have got it right this time. In shame we trust, mate. In shame we trust. 
Uh, moving on to round three, where we own two picks, 67 and 81. The 67th pick, we selected guard Joshua Ezudu out of North Carolina, measuring 6'4", weighing 308 pounds. Again, another big guy. Projected as a fourth-round talent, started nine games at left guard and two at tackle during 2021. And then with the 81st pick, we selected corner Cordell Flock out of LSU, uh, measuring at six foot, tipping the scales at measly 175 pounds. He's a bit on the slender side for a corner, but with 41 tackles, one interception and three passes broken up in 2021. See your thoughts on our two third-round selections, gents. Yeah, so I hated the first pick in the second round. I disliked the pick in the third round of O-line, just because it was O-line. Yeah, address O-line, but just address it a bit later on. Um, again, it was another one of them where he wasn't the number one guy on my board at the position. Um, Dylan Parham was probably the, the, the guy I would have had over him at least. He fell quite far though, didn't he? Yeah, Rob not seeing any reason as to why nothing nothing's come out but you know a certain Trey Smith fell quite far 12 months ago and he's turned out pretty damn good and then he I, I hated one down Robinson pick I despised the flop pick flop I'll refer to him straight away as flop I, I have no interest in this player whatsoever um I didn't understand why we drafted another slot guy we've got Darnay Holmes we've got Aaron Robinson who we now believe he's going to play outside I don't think he's an outside corner, though, personally. I think he'd be a great slot guy. I think he'll be an okay outside guy. So, again, flop. There, there was other cornerbacks I thought were better. Kobe Bryant instantly is one that comes to mind who was available. And, again, I think it was a, a reach, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, um, so round three, uh, Joshua Zudu, I think, is a great pick. I mean, I did have other uh, offensive linemen a little bit higher, but um, he is solid as they come. I mean... And he's versatile. Like versatility is one thing that Sheen's been preaching since he came in. And like, not only did he play left guard and left tackle, but he would swap left guard to left tackle mid drive, depending on who the defense lined up. I mean, I think he's got great feet. I think he's a good, solid left guard. I think he's one of those players that will come in, third round pick, and just be a nice, solid guard in the league for for his whole career. I think like. And a good kid as well, by all counts. So, um, yeah, I, I was actually, again, it was like, all right, someone else was higher on my board. But again, my board doesn't mean anything. Like, But, like, looking more into the guy and stuff like that, he wasn't far. I had him as a third-round pick, so right around where he, where, where he kind of should have gone. Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, really solid. I think, like I said before, if he doesn't start week one, I think at some point throughout this season, he will be our starting left guard and going forward as well. Uh, so, yeah, very pleased with that one. Uh, again, as she said, Cordell Flott was one of those. I'm not angry, I'm just confused. He's a six foot one, 170 pound slot corner. He's very slight. I mean, he's got nice length. They believe he has versatility to play inside, outside. I thought Darnay Holmes was coming along nicely as a slot corner. If, Ju- if Julian Love gets beat out at safety, which I don't think he will, I think he will be our starting safety this year. He, he can play slot. I mean, it was just yeah, a little bit confusing pick. I mean, they must see something in him. He's got some wild plays. He's played, he's played well. I mean, really good change of direction. He flips his hips really well. Uh, he diagnosed plays really well. Um, a couple of times when they were doing wide receivers of switching, you could see him handing off the, the receiver to the other DB and he would take the inside guy, for example, or the outside guy. So so you can see that he's got a bit of football acumen about him, like a bit of football intelligence about him. This is definitely a pro- projection, I think. I think... 
you'll see with a lot of these picks now from round two to seven, we might not be enamored or, or overawed by them this year. I 100% believe Sheehan's building for 2023. You see that the way he's taken on all the dead cap and everything, and he's had to release players. He's taken on, he could have pushed it forward, but no, he, he's taken it all this year and he's building for next year. I think a lot of these picks, these are picks that seem like players that their best football is ahead of them, if that makes sense. And, he, you know, I think Cordell Flock could be one of those players where, like, say, for example, like if, you t- if he came in at 190, 195, and he's a bit more of a physical corner, all the attributes I just talked about, you could go, all right, he could play on the outside easy. Not a problem. You know, he'd be starting number two, a great number two cornerback. Uh, Again, I hope he develops. He kind of has to. <laughs> but um, for this year, I, I don't quite know where he fits in at the moment. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where the, the guys we picked on day two will slot in. I think Robinson, looking forward to seeing what he can do on, on the offensive side of things. I think Azudu is a is a, a solid pickup on the on the offensive line. Um, I think he's gonna he's gonna have a, a nice little battle with Shane Lemieux from that for that left guard starting position. And Bredesen. Yeah, and Bredesen as well. And yeah, Flot, where does he fit in? Remains to be seen, I suppose. Yeah, obviously we've got Camp to look forward to to see more of him and see what where he would sort of fit in to that defensive scheme. But yeah, he does look a little a little bit light. And do we really need him to 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 play slot corner, you know. Like I said, it might not they might not be sexy picks, but the, yeah, building for the future I can I can see that thinking, definitely. So now that we've covered days one and two of the draft, um we're gonna pick up where we left off in part two by discussing our six that's six day three selections. Plus our massive haul of undrafted free agents as well. So uh so keep your eyes peeled from that dropping in the coming days. And we're also going to bring you our thoughts on the latest news regarding James Bradbury, the changes in the front office uh, and the off-season schedule as well. And then we'll round out part two, as usual, with opening up our mailbag. So anything to add before we go this time out, guys? No, nothing. Just looking forward to breaking down the rest of the players. There's not as much negativity from myself. Fantastic. I can't wait. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, so obviously, with you know, day one was a home run. You know, round one, we absolutely nailed it. And again, although we didn't get any sexy picks on day two, I'm hoping that they will be solid contributors for the next two, three, four, five years. You know, we might not see the best of them year one, but as long as they try to crack the two deep, um, I'll be happy. Yeah, just one last thing from me. Kev was saying about how nice a bloke Azudu was. If you haven't watched his press conference where he talks about dealing with stutters, I highly recommend it. It's an amazing watch. So maybe something to do in between parts one and parts two while you're waiting. I have not watched that and I will watch that, no doubt, either later tonight or tomorrow. Give that a watch for sure. Thanks for that. As I said, keep your eyes peeled for part two. It will be coming very, very soon. All that's left for me to say is my thanks as ever go to Shane, Kev and Craig for joining me. Uh, And to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We're signing off until next time. Go Giants!